Good morning, LBC Radio. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. Today I have on a super awesome guest, but before we get into that, if you would like to support what I do, please be sure to go over to the shop and buy some merchandise. We have stickers, we have hoodies, and shirts with the first 50 guests on the back, and those are limited edition. They will be running out in September, so be sure to get one before you can. Today, I have on a super awesome and interesting guy, Mr. Shane Spiel. York PA's Shane Spiel is the world's foremost master of the cigar bass guitar, a primitive stringed instrument cobbled together from discarded wood, guitar strings, and an empty box, as shown here. Shane Spiel is directly responsible for the modern resurgence of the cigar bass guitar, a once-forgotten instrument of American blues and roots music. He has been featured in the LA, LA Times, Guitar World, and Premier Guitar Magazine's and his concert has been featured in several documentaries, including the PBS songs Inside a Box. Spiel is the author of the book Making Poor Man's Guitars, which features plans on how to make cigar box guitars, beer can microphones, and many other DIY instruments. Shane Spiel fronts the junk rock band Shane Spiel's Snake Oil Band, a hard rock blues outfit gearing or featuring cigar box guitars, electric washtub bass, harmonica, and homemade drums. You can find Shane in all of his projects on TikTok, at Cigar Box Guitar, Instagram, same place, YouTube, Facebook, everywhere you look, you can find him. At Cigar Box Guitar. At Cigar Box... Did I say Cigar Box You got it. You I got, did. Ladies and gentlemen, he just made it through the toughest paragraph of his life. This is great. Yes. Corey, thank you for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, I am super excited to get to talk about all these guitars, your incredible experiences, and what what made those things happen. I'm back at Lancaster Bible College, man. I haven't been here since 1989. This is it's nuts how much has changed. Say, half of these buildings didn't exist. Last no, time you're here. half of them didn't exist. They were still building up things at the time. And most this this spot right here is probably still cornfield. Uh, absolutely, yes. <laughs> this was definitely cornfield. I mean, I'm looking around. It's like where is all the old buildings I used to go to class. See, I went to Lancaster Bible College from 1988 to 1989. Um, and I really should have kept going, but I didn't. Mm. But, however, it is so good to be back here. And I can't believe LBC has a radio station. If, right. I, if I was going to college now, I would be parked here. I love radio, and I love what you're doing with this podcast. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm really excited to keep going with it. So I'm curious... Then what, as a kid, got you into music? Was it was it just a part of your family? What what was it, Corey? My whole family, like my dad and my mother, both are musicians. My grandfather was a musician. Piano was the thing in my house. Uh, so my 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 grandfather played piano. In fact, in the in the nineteen thirties, he played ragtime in an old hotel. Wow! In the nineteen fifties, he played in a biracial duo in Pittsburgh. So this is before, you know, all the other stuff he was doing. Um, it was him on piano and a, a guy on guitar and vocals. Biracial doing that. My father also plays piano. My mother plays piano. So I had that growing up. But for me, um, at five years old, I saw Kiss on TV. Mm. And <laughs> that changed my life. I wanted to play guitar. I wanted to be Gene Simmons, and I'm 52, and I still want to be Gene Simmons. <laughs> mm. That's awesome, man. So, uh, what, what did you? When did you first pick up a guitar? Um, it, I got my first guitar at the age of, uh, I guess I was eight years old. 
Um, and I always struggle with that. I was, I was never good at taking standard lessons. Now I took piano lessons at the age of five or six and that didn't last. My guitar lessons didn't last. Um, but I would always just mess with it. And then in, in junior high, I got a bass guitar. Mm. And the reason I got a bass was all my friends were playing guitar. And I figured if I got a bass, I could at least be part of a band because nobody else was playing bass. Right. Um, and it was a great starting point for me. And so like ninth grade, 10th grade, um, I was in heavy metal bands. Um, you know, it was first like hair metal doing a lot of rush. Um, and then at one point I was even in a death metal band, but that lasted for maybe two months before Mm. the two main guys started fighting with each other. But, uh, yeah, (laughs) hopefully not to the death. No, (laughs) no, no, they weren't that strong enough for that type of thing <laughs> but i've i've uh music has always been a thing with me um and it was actually i was going to lancaster bible college here um when you know i was all heavy metal in high school heavy metal heavy metal and i got here and this was 1988 and that mm-hmm. was the year that rem's green album came out u2's rattle and hum came out and metallica's injustice for all and yes, Metallica had the metal side, but the other two started messing with me. And it was like, there's deeper music out there. And then I got a Jimi Hendrix cassette that had Red House on it. And that's when I experienced blues music. And from there, I was a goner. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's a, here's a fascinating, fascinating thing about blues music is you hear someone like Jimi Hendrix do Red House, you know, there's a Red House over yonder. It's where my baby stays. Okay, you get into that, and you're like, this is fantastic. And then, you you know, that same era, you got Led Zeppelin, you got all these guys. But then real blues guys start to walk backwards. Uh, and it's like, okay, that's so awesome, but who influenced Jimmy? And then, gotcha, Okay, right. and then you discover the Muddy Waters, you discover Howlin' Wolf, you discover the great man, Hound Dog Taylor, okay? And then you're getting into their stuff, and you're trying to play it on guitar, and then you start asking... Who came, who came before them, okay? And so I was doing that, and this is like, as I'm in college here and college elsewhere, I'm digging, digging, taking out Smithsonian records out of the libraries and listening, and then you get into these guys from the 1930s and 1920s, and this music's creaky. It's, it's imperfect, and it's a little out of tune. And I was like, I have found my music, you know? Mm. And it was like, okay, you got... Blind Willie Johnson, one of the greatest gospel blues singers ever. Um, Crying Sam Collins, um, Mississippi John Hurt. All these guys just blew me away. Well, you got to understand, the the era I'm talking about for me was pre-internet. Okay, so we, we couldn't just go and dial up anything. You had to dig. And sometimes you would get the history a little wrong, but for the right reasons. And for me, I was like, well, what came before Mississippi John Hurt, Blind Willie Johnson? And I read an interview of uh, someone talking about they were so poor back then that he couldn't afford a guitar out of the Sears catalog. So as a kid, his dad took a broomstick, put it through a cigar box, wired up two pieces of bailing wire and gave him a broken bottleneck as a slide. And that was his first guitar. Wow. And I was like, I need to do this. This is what I'm looking for. I've been digging back. I've been digging back. And in 1993, it was July 4th, 1993, I built my first cigar box guitar out of a Swisher Sweet Box and a piece of wood from my dad's barn. 
And I went and it had three strings on it. I read that the guys were making them with two strings and I figured uh, three strings would be fancy like jazz, you know, Mm -hmm. so I could put that on. But it was played with a slide. And as soon as I made it, I felt like Eddie Van Halen because all of the things I was struggling to play on my acoustic guitar came out like lightning as I was playing the three string cigar box guitar. I knew from then that was my thing. Mm -hmm. And that's my music career up to that point of discovering this instrument. And that was, that was at 20 or so that I was 23. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And uh, I've been doing it ever since next year will be 30 years. That's incredible. So what over this swath of time that you've been doing it for 30 or about 30 years, right? What, what has been the number one challenge for you in creating cigar box guitars uh <laughs> earning an income <laughs> that's every musician's of answer course. okay but here's the thing um this let me tell you the challenge um i was i'm gonna be spiritual in this interview and i really don't care sure you know we're gonna do it i'm at lancaster bible college and i'm gonna say things as they are um i was called to do music I know I was called to do music and I have tried to quit doing music so many times in the past 30 years. And I've had God tell me, no, you're going to do this. And every time I crash and burn, he picks me up. He gives me time to, to, you know, Figure it out. smolder for a Smol- bit. Yeah, right. And then it's no, this is what you are going to do. It was back in uh, 2002. I was in prayer. Now, you got to understand, I had been building cigar box guitars for nine years at that point, and I was doing it on my own. Um, I would do some festivals and sell them. Uh, but and, and in that time, I also felt God pushing me to record an album. And I'm like, I don't even play out, record that album. So I recorded an album. You know, I may have given 50 copies away, and that's as far as it went. Well, in 2002, I was in prayer, and I felt God saying, show the world the cigar box guitar. And it's like, that makes no sense. That's, that's to me, it was um, foolishness. And that which, you know, men call foolish. Right, of course. You know, uh, so um, I'm right. Okay, I will, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I was a new dad. I had an infant baby. Um, My wife and I were just struggling to make ends meet. Um, living in a single wide trailer at the time, Mm. paying off all our bills. And um, so I went on the internet and back in the day, there was this website called GeoCities um, and it allowed anybody to make their own website. And it was back, this is web 1.0. Yeah, right. Okay. And so these websites were wonky, um, but you could, you know, if you were interested in a hobby and you didn't find it on the internet, you made your own website and you taught people. Well, I put up a page on how to build your own cigar box guitar. I just figured God told me, show the world the cigar box guitar. So this is all I knew how to do. I made a one page uh, GeoCity site. Then I started adding pages to it of history that I would try to find and collect from newspaper articles or whatever. Um, all of a sudden, I started getting emails from people over and over and over, and they're asking me questions. And I'm like, okay, I'm answering the same question over and over to dozens of people. I need a place where I can answer these all at once. And so bulletin boards came into play. Yeah, uh, Yahoo had 
chat room bulletin boards. And so I created one of those for cigar box guitars and that went viral. Okay. And so in all of these things, I'm encouraging people to make and play their own instruments. What I didn't find out in, I see that in hindsight. Now, first of all, God wants people to play music. Music is a language. Mm -hmm. God wants us to play music. Even if you think you can't. And I have been the leader for people that think they can't play music. And what happens and it's in the past, it's been usually these guys that have a Stratocaster, you know, like a Squire Strat sitting in their living room that they bought years ago. Someday I'm going to learn to play it right. and never learn to play it. Well, you got this guy ranting and raving on the Internet saying a three string cigar box guitar is so much fun to make and so much fun to play. Well, all of a sudden, these guys started making and playing them and doing shows and getting out to open mics, creating their own concerts creating their own festivals all from starting of putting a free one page, how to build a cigar box guitar page on the internet turned into that. And that continued to roll into, you know, where I'm at today. Um, but it was all, you know, God was like, show the world, the cigar box guitar. And that's all I could do. And that's what I have been doing. Tell me about a time when you tried to run away from music. Which time out of the 200,000 that I've tried to run away? You got to understand, um, it's not easy uh, doing something so uh, unconventional as this. Um, I could be doing, I could be playing a Strat and doing safe music and whatever. Um, I'm the weirdo and uh, I'm always the weirdo. I've embraced that in my onstage persona, uh, I'm over the top. Um, but you're doing this stuff in front of people. And if they're not your fans already, they're either looking at you like what the heck is going on. Um, but you're also, there's so much energy involved in doing this. And when it's not paying the bills and when you have other things coming out and, um, it's, it's tough to, to keep going. And in fact, um, you gotta understand, I've also been doing this full time between this and marketing, um, musical products from home in my own business. I've been doing this for a decade mm. on my own and it has been extremely hard. Uh, this is walking in faith all the time. It is, knowing that my wife is making more money than me and, you know, and, and it's tough on her. Uh, it's been real tough on her and it's, it's a hard thing to keep going. Um, I've wanted to quit so much and I've, I receive emails from people on how much I've helped them. Um, and, uh, it, that encourages me, but, the only reason I have kept going is um, because I've been commanded to keep going. Uh, not to say that as I'm performing, you know, that I'm just doing this as a robot. I'm not. I, I absolutely love this. I live this. I eat this. I breathe this. But being a musician is tough. And you're the first interview I've ever talked to where I've divulged some of this stuff because... Um, it's a struggle. It is a real struggle. And 
you know, if it wasn't for, uh, feeling the calling to do it, um, man, I'd be, I'd be working for a corporation or something. And you wouldn't have these wonderful, awesome instruments. To show for it. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if uh, what, it'd be nice to switch pay or switch things here, but if if you've seen my TikToks or my Instagram, I have a basement full of instruments. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, I have been collecting for 30 years. And most of my collection is cheap instruments or ones that other cigar box guitar builders have given me um, or trading or whatever. I'm I'm a bottom feeder when it comes to musical instruments, especially even like regular guitars. I'm a total bottom feeder looking for them at flea markets or whatever. I just love, I've always loved gear. Um, mm. It's what makes me actually good in, in music marketing. And um, just because I, I do live, eat and breathe this stuff. Um, but also I'm, there's been times where, um, I've been wanting to throw, to put it all away. And then I feel like God saying, I want you to go get this guitar because I get in, I get it deep in prayer and I hear the Holy spirit. You know, it's, it's like thoughts in my head. If people haven't heard from God, you can hear from God and you hear the Holy spirit. Once you learn to hear his voice, you can hear him. Um, it takes years of practice. It it does. It takes a lot of quiet time. And there's been times where I felt God like wanting to reward me or something. Get this guitar. And here I've sold a whole bunch of stuff and flipped some stuff around. It's like, why do I need another guitar? <laughs> right. And I've felt him push me. Go get a guitar. Get this one. You wanted this one. Go get this one. Why do I need one? Um. When I was going to LBC here, uh, I didn't even have a guitar. Um, and we had a band here. And it was one, It was Ed Weber, who just recently passed away. He was a youth pastor locally. Um, uh, another guy named Shane Long and myself. And Ed played piano. Shane sang. I played guitar. And I would have to borrow somebody's guitar. Mm. Um, you know, there was always someone on campus. Of course. And, but... You know, here I am praying to God, why do I need another guitar? Why? And he goes, do you remember when you were in college and you had to borrow a guitar for your band? And I'm like, yeah. And God said, I didn't like that. Mm. And then I, there's times when you're talking to him and he says something like that, it floors you. It floors you because he hits you with love. And I'm, I'm sitting there praying to him and he goes, I don't, I didn't, I, I didn't like that. I didn't like you not having a guitar. And then as I'm praying, I'm looking around and there's literally dozens hanging all around me, every type of guitar. And I realized he was showering his love on me and there's many different ways, but it was one way that I could physically see around me that all these things and, um, it floored me. Um, it's one of those kind of like you feel you're not worthy, but you feel all the love of God in the universe in you at that moment. Um, and uh, man, I didn't mean to get this deep. But <laughs> Usually I'm all Mr. Happy and everything, but it is, this is, if you're a musician and you're being called, you're going to have to battle all your life and you're going to have to be prayed up 
and you are going to have to take care of your spiritual life. And just remember, Jesus is the door. So any opportunity you go to, you got to go through him first. And am I supposed to do this? And you pray it through and you, you go for it. Um, but it's, this is a tough road. It is. Um, and I'm not even out there preaching. I am just a regular secular bar band musician that was called to make people excited about music again. Um, and, uh, it's tough. I, I don't even know how to end that part, but yeah. Well, cause there are certain paths which are, which are profitable and certain paths that are not. Right. And God is going to throw you through all sorts of paths. Yes. It doesn't matter if it's profitable or not, because what is lost today for eternity forever. Exactly. And you mentioned, uh, the, the, we were supposed to play music and there's a verse I can't remember off the top of my head, but even all of God's creation sings praises to him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, in heaven, music is a language on earth. It is too, but we haven't realized it yet. Um, and I love turning people on to music that never did it. One guy I became friends with, this was in the early days of the Yahoo chat group, a guy named uh, Boz Bostwick. He was an old uh, Vietnam vet. Uh, in Vietnam, he was a tunnel rat, which means he was, right. you know, in the trenches, in the toughest parts. Well, he always wanted to play guitar, never really did much. Discovered the cigar box guitar, said it blew his mind. Started going to, we were having some festivals here in there, Cigar Box Guitar Fest. And he started going to them, started buying guitars from any builder that was out there, just amassing them. Soon after he started that, he got diagnosed with lung cancer. Mm. And we were chatting online one night and uh, uh, he, you know, saying, oh, maybe I should do this. I should do that. And and I'm like, boss, listen, everybody tells you, tells me, oh, I ought to write a book. And nobody writes the dang book. I said, it's time for you to record an album. I don't care how bad it is. Get a tape recorder, record it, and I will put it down on a homemade label. And so a week later, I get a tape in the mail unannounced. He goes, Shane, I got drunk and I went for it. And he, <laughs> he, he recorded an album. And then he recorded another album. And then he recorded seven more. Wow. He hosted his own cigar box guitar fest in his hometown in Michigan in a local theater. All of this before he passed away. His wife told me that after he passed away, she would sit on the porch as she was missing him and pull out one of his seven or eight albums and listen to him play. And I've seen this so much with so many people. I never thought I could play, but you know, you're only wrestling with three strings on this and a slide. It's not like I'm trying to get wrestle six strings and, and do Eddie Van Halen stuff. No, we're doing simple RL Burnside riffs. And, um, I've seen so many lives changed and opened up to music. And now I'm hitting an all new, uh, an all new audience with TikTok and Instagram. I mean, for the longest time I was hitting nothing but retired guys. And now I have, you know, high school and college kids coming in, asking me to do stuff from the doom eternal soundtrack or, <laughs> you know, I'm like, what? what? <laughs> I have to go to my kids. And it's like, what am I supposed, who is guttural slug? 
right. you know <laughs> that is so funny that's in, that's incredible though and uh to your point of just doing it yeah uh you honestly anyone who's listening who's ever thought about oh i'll, I'll do this i want to do that and you stop yourself because of whatever reason do it anyway. Go out there and make some grand mistakes. Go and do it. You are going to make so many mistakes. Do it anyway. Do it. Record the album. Write the book. Listen, we're in an era where you can write a book and publish it on Amazon, and it costs you nothing. Okay, you can do this. You can use online editors. You can use all these different things. Write that book. Record that album. Make that guitar. Do that thing. We are children of a creative God. Okay, and he created us to create. Mm -hmm. Okay, so do those things. Um, that's what I'm telling people. I mean, it's, I was given a, you know, given a command and I'm still doing that show the world, the cigar box guitar. And I learned once I show them something this simple and this easy, then they're going to be like, well, crap, I can do it myself. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's always the biggest barrier of like, of realizing, Oh, I have a phone. I can record. Yes. Oh, I have a, a piece of wood. Of, of, I have a broom and a few strings. Yep. I can make a guitar. Exactly. Uh, just realizing that, oh, I have all the necessary pieces. It doesn't have to be glamorous. It doesn't have to be top-end nonsense. Right. It, I can have the stuff in my house, on in my pocket, and do whatever I want to do right now. Exactly. I could have started this pot. That was one thing for me about starting this podcast. I could have started it with my phone. Uh -huh. But I was like, no, I need, be I need better. I need better. But it, it doesn't need to be that. So it, you can grow something over time. People forget about that, too. Yep. It's a journey. It's a process. You got to start somewhere. Everyone has to start somewhere. Yes. And if you don't start somewhere, where are you going to go? If you don't start somewhere, then you're not filling in something that God needed you to do. Mm. Okay. Um, because he has us do these crazy little things, things that don't make sense to us because there's a, something we haven't, we, we won't see for years to come. Um, but we're in an era. Just turn the TV off. If you if you go on a television fast and do go make some grand mistakes, go make something fantastically bad, okay, and then make it a little better. Um, Anne Lamott, uh, Christian author, talks uh, writes about how to write. Has a great book called Bird by Bird, and. Um, I, I will censor how she puts it in there, but you're allowed to make crappy first drafts. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she goes, in fact, you are commanded to make crappy first drafts, which means make an imperfect first draft. It is you weren't, if you're whatever you're creating, um, it's going to be bad at first exactly, and then you yeah. refine it. You learn from this, enjoy these things. Don't get so worked up about it. No, no, because we're imperfect beings anyway. Yep. We, there's no, there's, it's impossible for us to make something completely perfect anyway. Yeah. Why struggle in uh, talking to all the perfectionists out there? Don't struggle with perfectionism because it's never going to be perfect. Right. If you're going to make something, do it no matter what the quality, because afterwards you improve. Yes. And it's all a learning process anyway. 
you're gonna you have to make the crappy first draft to make the the good first to make the good first draft. Yes. In the future. And I don't know how many different albums. You know, like as they re-release classic albums, they always put the studio outtakes on there uh, as right, extra yeah. tracks. And you listen to these studio outtakes, and it's like, oh man, is that bad? You know. And and you got to understand, um, it's it's smoke and mirrors what you get as the final product mm-hmm. um especially today oh, oh man yes. today where everything is auto-tuned in fact even live that yeah and yeah even live talking about my favorite band kiss i mean paul stanley can't sing anymore and so he sings the first verse and last verse and in the middle they have it canned tracks they actually oh yeah oh, it's, wow. it's all over however that's also where i think i'm getting the appeal to the younger generation that's loving what I'm doing with all these goofy instruments is they are out of tune. They are not perfect. They are not Kanye West. They are not, um, you know, and they're not pristine. They're not polished. They're no, not nothing. I mean, like my band had a practice last night and if we were in tune for one chord at one point, I would be surprised. Um, However, it was a fistful of attitude the entire time. Mm. It's something you don't see bands do anymore. Nobody goes on stage with an attitude ready to destroy. And that's what we do. I mean, we are basically barbarians on stage with homemade instruments. Um, and we're never going to be in tune. My, my bass player plays a washtub bass made out of a whiskey barrel, a stick, and a weed whacker string. And we show he used to use a, a regular um, wash tub for his bass, but it got so beat up he would he would go through one every year, mm. and so he got a wooden whiskey barrel, cut it down, and is using that. But we electrified it. But there is not one in tune note on there of note of perfection that you would hear in modern music. However, this man is not a trained musician. He is a farmer mm. by trade. He has a farm like. 200 and some acre farm that that's been in his family, but he ended up sitting with in with me at an open mic one night. Cause he made his own wash tub base out of a plastic bucket. And you know, I kept them ever since what I didn't know is he would always jam with me and we would never practice. We would just play in concert, go, you right. know, it was just all improv. And then we recorded our first album. And as we were cutting tracks, he was doing some, uh, uh, overdubs with just his wash tub bass and we're sitting in the control room and I'm like, wait a second. He is not playing a wash tub. Usually a wash tub is mm. and it's just basically like a bass drum with a little bit of notes in there. He plays running gospel bass lines on his wash tub bass. Wow. I have never heard anyone do this and I know for a fact that I have the greatest wash tub bassist ever to walk the earth because we're listening to him and it's no way yes yes farmer john he is just uh, it's it's insane because nobody ever told him he couldn't right so he has a wash tub and he thinks oh i need to play it like a bass and being that he was raised in the church right stuff like that that's insane that takes talent to be able to play a it's ta- like that. Yeah. No, it, it yeah, it takes, well, it takes talent. Years but, and years. Well, no, it takes um what's the word I'm looking for? Uh it takes 
an uneducated mind <laughs> to never be told ignorance. that you yeah. couldn't do it, you know? And nobody ever told him he couldn't, so he did it. And that's, again, creating stuff. Do it. If you have a wild idea, oh, but nobody's ever done it before. Okay, go do it. Yeah, but it's exactly the reason why you should do it. Guys, you got to understand, the cigar box guitar was a dead instrument by the time I started making it. Yeah, there was a couple here and there. Maybe a Boy Scout would make one, but nobody paid attention to it. It was a novelty. Mm -hmm. And um, for some reason, I thought it was a serious instrument back in 1993. I thought, ooh, this is the thing that happened before the blues. Well, kind of, not really, sort of. We're still uncovering so much history. However minstrel music came before the blues i didn't know that for me i was it was the cigar box guitar it was the diddly bow the one string instrument that, mm -hmm. that people put up on a side of a barn um but nobody ever told me that the cigar box guitar was not an, a real instrument nobody ever told me that whatever i just believed it was and in my own mind it's like okay i'm gonna go do this and i did it and I changed the world with it. I changed, I, I have one tiny little sliver of music history in my name. It may be, you know, the size of a hair in the circle of music history, but that little hairline is mine, you know, and I can't take credit for it. That's God's, but yeah, my name is there. That's about it. <laughs> it's yeah. So, what is one of the hardest instruments you've ever made? Actually, this one right here. Um, you got to understand, I'm a hack builder. Whenever I'm on my TikTok or Instagram and I show a really detailed instrument, that's usually something somebody else built, mm -hmm. such as the shovel, which I brought, or the um, copper pipe guitar, other builders. But this one is the cigar box mandolin, and yeah... You know, it, it plays great. It's electric. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't look like anything major. However, um, in fact, if you want to put that closer to sure. the camera, let them see it. Uh, yeah. It does have a fretted neck. Um, and I made the neck myself. Uh, and I got to give a shout out to cbgiddy.com. That's where I get all my parts. And they challenged me to make this. And I'm not one for fretting guitars. And this took so much time to get the fretting right to to you know the when you hammer those fret wires in then you've got to take files and you know get them even and i never did that so this one i took so much time the other thing is i also documented the entire process mm. so i gave it away as free plans um i think it's cbgitty g-i-t-t-y dot com slash mandolin i think has the parts list it has the um uh, the video, how I made it. And then another link with a discussion page for people to ask questions, but I just gave the the plans away. So anybody else could make one. So I'm curious, how hard is it to find cigar boxes? Um, actually not hard at all. No. Uh, every town has a, has a cigar store Go in there, go into the cigar store and f you know, sometimes they'll give them to you free. Other times, uh, they'll really? charge you. Yeah. Other times they'll charge you two or three bucks. Um, and if you don't have a cigar store, you go on eBay and just type in on eBay cigar box and you will find thousands. On average, 
how much do you think it would cost to make one of these your own? Okay, that that one there with all the parts. Now I you know the neck was first ha- partially built by CB Giddy, mm. and then I added some things to it. That was probably seventy five dollars total. Really? Um, for that? Now that's very detailed. Yeah. Uh, very, you can yes, you can make a, a three string cigar box guitar for you know twenty five bucks at most. You just buy the parts. At most, at most, at most, you could probably find most of the stuff or get a junk guitar, take the tuners off. Um, there's free plans all over the internet. You get my book, Making Poor Man's Guitar. There we go. There's a little plug right there. there uh, this teaches you how to do it as well. But y- this is the poor man's instrument. And uh, anybody can afford one of these. Anybody can build these. These are simple. So what is one of the most unique instruments <clears throat> That you've ever made? Hmm. I've made so many weird things. Um, I know. And I've gone through times of, in my career of being an experimental uh, musician, doing weird albums and such. But what's one of the most unique ones? I have done double neck guitars. I have done... I saw um, a double necked cigar box guitar and I was like, what in the world? Yeah, I just finished that one. That's actually... Oh, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I saw it from the Roots and Blues Festival. I didn't know oh, you had okay. one too. Yeah, I just I just did one too. Yeah. And did a video last week on it. Oh, that's so cool. Um I don't know. I've I've made them out of so many different things. I I made a an electric one string guitar using technology I found in an old science magazine uh from the nineteen forties of taking an old helicopter headphone and turning that into a, a pickup. They had, as early as the 1920s, they had the technology to make guitar pickups um, because the headphones they were creating at the time, if you wired them backwards, would pick up a string vibration. Wow. And so Les Paul learned about this in the 30s when he was experimenting, and it was written about, so I made one um, using all that technology, but the body of it was a wooden section of a pipe organ. Mm. A pipe organ pipe. And uh, so that was a, a, a unique one. I had a, a whole plan and, and everything. It was wild. That's crazy. How do you come up with these ideas? Uh, I'm always uh, feeding my brain. Um, as you see my TikTok videos, uh, my library is behind me. And I'm always reading books. I am always researching uh, different guitar building, different, uh, you know, history of African music, uh, as, you know, because the cigar box guitar can be traced to banjo, can be traced to one string, one string spike fiddles. And there's so many different avenues. So I'm researching them all. I found pockets of cigar box guitar tradition in the Wisconsin lumberjack camps where Norwegians were working in the lumberjack camps for six months at a time. So they were building their own fiddles and their own guitars out of cigar boxes. Uh, This isn't just an African-American thing. This is just everywhere. It just popped up in all these different areas. Um, So how do I get these ideas? I'm always, always, always researching, always learning, uh, talking to other people. This is my thing. So, um, you know, if you're going to create then make sure you're feeding that creativity. Um, if you're going to write an album, go to some concerts. Yeah. Get out of your house and go to concerts. Uh, if you're going to write a book, 
go hang out with other authors, um, all that stuff. Uh, always feed your creativity. I can't stress this enough that you you can you so you have your base creativity, right? Yeah. Everyone has a base creative point. The way you grow that and expand that is with other creatives. Yes. That's the only way you can do it. You can't sit there and think and then think of new things. You have to be fed in ideas. You have to be uh, you can pray about it and you can get those ideas from God. Yes. That, that is that is a total possibility. But you yourself, you only have so much knowledge of this infinite, almost infinite world. Yep. And you have to go out to reach because you you have one perspective, one worldview, one outlook on life. Yep. Everyone has a different, unique aspect to one of those one one of those things, and they're gonna help feed you, and you're gonna take pieces from that. How do you think people write popular pop songs? It's most of it isn't from life's experience. It's the ones that are, they're great. Yeah. But a lot of time, it's it's people feeding. It's it's from different experiences for, that they've seen other people have. Yep. Absolutely. Um, like uh, coming up on. August 27th in downtown York, Pennsylvania is the Cigar Box Guitar Festival. Pennsylvania mm-hmm. Cigar Box Guitar Fest. Um, it's happening on the grounds of the York Emporium Bookstore in their parking lot. But you go there and Cigar Box Guitar Builders from all over the country. I've met one from Australia, several from Canada. They come down uh, and there's like a dozen different concerts that day and vendors. Well, what happens is the night before they have a pizza party where everybody gathers at the York Emporium bookstore, everybody gathers and jams. There's an open mic and it's them all just showing off their creations. And then, well, I had an idea to use an old uh, Makita toolbox and put a (laughs) neck on there and, and they're showing their techniques and things that they've discovered. And it's magical. I'm surprised there might, uh, working in factories a lot. I, I, I come into contact with a lot of, uh, world war two ammunition boxes. Oh Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there's got to be a million of those kind of guitars. Yep. No, not a million. Not a lot of people. Really. Uh, but I've some seen some ammo can boxes. I've seen uh, people making amplifiers out of the ammo cans and things like that too. Um, yeah, you have some of that. I'm curious. How do you? you your book also details uh, beer can microphones. Yes. How does that work? Uh, it is. I actually use a beer can. I use a mason jar lid. Uh, so you both the lid and the in- inside lid and that inside lid, the one that pops whenever it's done, that becomes the membrane that vibrates when you talk into it. And there's an internal pickup touching that membrane. Um, and then there's a bunch of foam and different baffling inside to kind of tune it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very low fi You really got to have them close to your mouth, but I've done an entire concert singing through them. What tone does that give you? Or it can sounds, you change the tone? It sounds like a shortwave radio. Really? Yeah. And then if you throw a little slap back delay on there, it is just like an old record. That's kind of cool. Yeah, That's absolutely. Awesome. Have, uh, have you ever heard of Postmodern Jukebox? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That kind of stuff. Yes. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Because and that stuff is that old 1920s, 1930s swing. Yeah. Um, and the beautiful thing is I've performed in new orleans a couple times and that music is alive and well in new orleans now really uh it has taken over especially on frenchman street uh and that's usually where i perform um is uh all that 1920s 1930s you see people playing tenor banjos you see you know the girls in you know the 1930s attire and whatever it's 
magnificent. There's even a band that plays cigar box guitars and homemade instruments doing that. The cigar box serenaders and Brett, their leader is just like Django Reinhardt on a cigar box guitar. (laughs) I love it. I love this. I'll have to check that out when I go there. Uh, Oh, Frenchman street. Yeah. If you go, if you go to new Orleans, you don't go to bourbon, you go to Frenchman street. That's where the musicians hang out. Gotcha. Okay. (laughs) So I'm I'm curious. How did you get into uh, being featured into the LA Times, the PBS Songs Inside the Box? How did that uh, transpire? Well, in addition to always sharing this stuff, I'm also a marketing professional. Mm. And early on, I learned how to write press releases, and that's one thing so many musicians don't do. Uh, they always expect people just oh go check out my Instagram or whatever. No, you learn how to write a press release. You learn how to communicate with feature writers, uh, with media companies, and you send out press releases over and over and over. And I would do that. And then I became the contact whenever they were working on certain articles. Um, also if they were working with someone else, LA times was working with someone in Los Angeles that was making cigar box guitars, but he said, you need to contact Shane Spiel for the history. And so they did that. Um, but I've always, you know, lately I haven't done it as much because I've, you know, not had the focus of pushing my band real hard. We hadn't played Mm -hmm. in over a year. Um, but, uh, you need to learn how to get press attention and, you know, go on Google, learn what's working this year, you know, cause it changes from year to year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, newspapers are dead. I mean, dead is a doornail dead, but what are the other media outlets that people are still going to? Um, I also started, you know, social networking. I will post my stuff on the usuals, TikTok and Instagram, and it reposts to Facebook. I also do YouTube. But I also post on Truth Social, which mm. is that new conservative um, social network put out by Trump, because I figure so many people left Facebook there and I'm just making music. So I'll put it on there and it's going, you know, it gets hits over there, too. I will post it anywhere. No, that I, it's a smart tactic. Go everywhere. Yeah. Get especially if it's, you know, just music. Yep. Right. Exactly. Uh, that's really smart. That's something I've been trying to trying to do. Uh, going out to Rumble or like the the YouTube yep. alternative, uh, going out to, and that's something I have got to really work on. Marketing is not my jam whatsoever, and that's where you may need to collaborate with yeah. somebody else that enjoys marketing. Because I actually enjoy the marketing side too. There are people that like to do this oh, stuff for sure, and so collaborating with them is a great idea. Um, I do want to talk real quick about what's going on with TikTok with, and, and yeah, Instagram of with me. Because when we first set up this interview, uh, it was my friend Matt Frim from Sweet Life that said you needed to talk to Shane. Matt and I have been friends since we both worked in a factory back in the early 90s. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I love, I've been on, I was on his first album that he had with Carol back when they were called By the Way before they changed their name to Sweet Life. And, uh, you know, so you had him and, so we, we set up this interview for mm-hmm. here and then all my stuff went viral. That's right. And I have one video on Instagram that's about to hit 6 million views. Jeez. Um, uh, Instagram, I went from 2000 followers to 124,000 in the last six to eight weeks. Wow. T 
TikTok, uh, I have more than 9,000 overall views, 108,000 followers. Um, and you got to understand all of this is in the last two months. Yeah. So what happened two months ago? I was sitting there chatting with Ben from the company cbgiddy.com and I do his marketing and, uh, you know, he enjoys, or he tells me, go out and make people interested in homemade instruments and I'll sell them the guitar parts. You know, you don't need to always say my name in everything, you know, but every time you use a part, you know, just let them know where you got it from. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes sense because we're doing something very unique. He built, built his business on this unique niche market. He sells cigar box guitar parts for the most part. Um, so two months ago we were talking, it's like, you know what? Facebook's dead. We can't get anything, yeah. everything. It's all the stuff we're putting out over and over and over is the same. And, uh, we got to figure out something new. So that conversation ended and I went into prayer and I'm like, all right, God, what do I do? We need something new. And I just out of nowhere felt the Holy spirit say, use TikTok." Now here's the thing for the past year, my son, who is also a marketing professional now has his own company has been telling me, dad, you need to be on TikTok." And I'm like, what do I say? It's just people dancing on there. It's, it's just dumb stuff. As soon as I heard God tell me, use TikTok, I immediately knew what my content was. It hit me at the same time. It was, this is show and tell. You pick up an instrument. You have a basement full of instruments. You pick up an instrument. You play it. You talk about it. And you end the video. And the video editing, whenever I was making my YouTube videos, I had 29,000 followers on YouTube for, that I've amassed over the last two decades. And it would take me five or six hours to edit a five minute video, you know, just to get it right. All the different mm-hmm. things. TikTok um, is based off of, have you ever seen rage videos for video games where they're so choppy and it's like eh, uh, uh, yep. all the bad editing? That's TikTok. It is. You get in, you show something, you play it for three seconds. And when I say three seconds, I mean, my sound clips are only three seconds. People think I'm Eddie Van Halen. I'm not. I'm playing three seconds of the only good thing I know. Right, exactly. Okay? Yep. And then I show it off more, show who made it. And being that all these instruments are bizarre, people are going nuts. And so I listen to God. I use TikTok. Boom. There it goes. It goes off. It took like a week or two. And then one video went nuts. And then another video I reposted of We Say the Liberian guitarist, we'll get into him. I reposted that and it goes nuts. And so what happened was um, these videos, one or two videos hit the targeted algorithm that they like at TikTok. What is that algorithm? Nobody knows. They won't tell you. They won't tell you when they change things. They won't tell you if you're doing something wrong. They'll just ban you or shadow ban you, which means they'll hide things without letting you know. And your fans will be asking, Where's your information? Okay, so these these companies are very deceptive, but we're still using them for now. Okay, um, so I I'm making these videos on TikTok, and it 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 is simply 
I'm Shane Spielman, and I made this cigar box mandolin, and then blah, 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 and then I used a real cigar box. I used blah, 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 and I go through everything, and I make sure I talk as fast as possible, get quick information in there, play it again fast, and then whenever I go to edit it, I use the TikTok app to edit. I'm not using computer. Really? I'm using the app for everything. I'm using an iPhone 7, an iPhone 7 for all my TikToks, I'm using the app. The only exception is whenever I've taken some old videos from YouTube and I've cut them into, and for that, I use Adobe Rush, Premiere okay. Rush, which is almost like a TikTok app. Um, and so I put these up there. It is choppy. Sometimes sentences get cut off in the editing, yeah. but you never let a single breath of dead air in your TikTok videos or your Instagram reels. No. Okay, which means as soon as you're done saying one sentence, you cut it off. You don't even leave half a breath because that is enough time for them to swipe up to the next video. And unless you're a comedic genius, yeah, then you can add in pauses. But 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 if no for for, stuff, for average content for yeah. average content, it needs to be bam bam. TikTok is for like the ADHD of ADHDers. Yes, and it, the thing is, Instagram is copying everything TikTok is doing now. In fact, Instagram has made some new changes. If you're going to use Instagram, only use Instagram reels. That is the video, yeah. the vertical video, uh, all the photo stuff on Instagram, uh, unless you've already been known for your photo stuff and people are going to look for you. No, reels. go to reels, 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 and then first reels, then stories. Mm. You do not just go Instagram stories. You put it on the reels and then you share that. Your, your stories. That's my tips for you guys. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's okay. This is for the people that are looking for real world techniques of what's happening right now, this summer, 2022. Um, it is vertical videos, 60 seconds or less Instagram and TikTok, and do not repost TikTok videos to Instagram with the watermark that says TikTok. TikTok yep. Okay. Instagram will throttle those. Go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, go get an app. I use an app called Save Tick. There are many apps out there that will rip off your video from TikTok without, um, a watermark. without a watermark, and then you repost it to Instagram. Okay, there's my real world techniques, these are what's working for me right now. Uh, also, you know, you have a unique story of your own. You that's your content. You, it's going to take you a while to find that content. You pray about it. And you know, if you're supposed to be using these things, uh, pray about it and he'll show you what your content is. It may take you a while, but man, I tell you when he, when I inquired of the Lord and he said, use TikTok, as soon as I got up to look for it, I knew exactly where to start. It was, it was like he unlocked, um, a memory chip in my brain that I hadn't opened before that unlocked. and I knew what to do. I, it's the only way I can describe it. That's well, that's awesome, man. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. What, what God will use in order to expand, not only his kingdom, but to expand his work. Yes. And who would have thought tick tick tock, right? The, the silly dancing, uh, yep. videos, uh, this, the uh, Almost annoyingly, uh, uh-huh. right? <laughs> or the housewives trying to get attention with, oh, God, right, it's right, so bad. right. So, um, so much 
whatever on there, nonsense on there, and then that he can use that as a as a fat passage as a as a vessel to yes. further his his kingdom, his work, your work, uh, the love of music, anything, and, anything. And why is he doing this? Because revival is coming. That's right. Okay, and when revival hits, he wants to have musicians and artists ready for the celebratory arts. Okay, he doesn't want. You know, when revival hits and the big one is coming mm. and when revival hits, uh, this isn't just going to be, you know, um, just as I am, you know, just old time. No, this is going to be a huge party. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it was two years ago. I, I God would not let me leave John eight. Was it John eight? Uh, no, John two. Uh, the wedding at Cana. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, John. Yeah, John too. John too. Uh, he wouldn't let me leave there, and it was over and over every day. Wedding at Cana. Wedding at Cana. And it's like, why? You need to be prepared. There's a party coming. There's a party coming. Now we're we're gonna go through some rough times before the party, but you gotta understand. Whenever he did six jars of wine, we're talking one thousand bottles of wine uh, were made for a small community. Uh, and what he's saying is, this is what you're preparing for celebratory arts, get ready. And that I can tell you, that is one of the things that I'm seeing that is going to come about of this. Uh, and one of the reasons I was told to do what I'm to do, uh, is to prepare people and get them to make music because there's going to be a reason to sing. That's yeah, it's coming. It is right. Um, people can't see it, but it's coming. And it, we got to prepare for it. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's talk about let's yeah. Let's talk, talk about, about this. Let's talk about that. Here which we is go. Your most prized possession. Yeah, you told me to bring some instruments, so I thought I would bring this. Uh, if you don't know the story, this is a, a three-string guitar made by a blind Liberian musician named Wesay Freeman. Wesay uh, went viral on Facebook with over 17 million views because someone pulled out their cell phone camera and filmed him performing. What was going on was this uh, individual, this guy, he was from India. His name's uh, Sa- Sachin Ramchandi. Ramchandani. Sachin Ramchandani is his name. I want to get it right. Right, of course. Okay, he was in Liberia, and he had started a company making potato chips and um, was... Had a, had a contest going with social media in Liberia, mm-hmm. uh, come up with the O-Chip theme song. Well, they were giving out chips at out on the street, and the street's all dirt and everything, and uh, this blind my, musician holding a guitar just like that walked up to him, and he said, hey, man, you know, can you do a song? And he filmed him, and we say did an impromptu song called O-Chips. Well, that video went viral because people couldn't believe the sounds that were coming out of you know, guitar just like this. And, um, I got to, I went nuts when I saw it because it's like, here's a musician playing a three string guitar. That's what I play is a three string guitar. And, uh, I couldn't believe it. You know, that's uh, a paint thinner can. That is a piece of wood that he found. He used a machete to, to, uh, shape the neck. The frets are made of, um, uh, coat hangers and the strings are made from brake cables. So, and they are the killer on the fingers. I'm oh, they saying. are. You, he knew how to play it. Yeah. Um. And so if you search YouTube for We Say the Free-Spirited Liber- Liberian, you'll find the, the video. But 
So I went nuts and I was like, I got to find this guy. I got to, you know, contact him. Well, I contacted Sachin who made the video and he said, yeah, we say he's here. And he, you know, we say would visit his house every once in a while. And Satch would, you know, buy him things because that video went viral and he wanted to take care of him. Well, I also wanted to do more than that. And a friend of mine, a Christian friend in, in Texas, Kirk Otto was going to a special church service where missionaries were talking about their work. You know, the missionaries come back and you give more mm -hmm. to it. And the guy said, yeah, I am uh, working out of Liberia. And my friend went up to him afterwards. He said, Liberia. He goes, you don't know the guy that plays the uh, tin can three string guitar. And he goes, oh yeah, he's in my neighborhood <laughs> out of nowhere. So I had been dying to really connect with this guy. And here Kirk called me up. He said, Shane, I know someone that knows this guy and he's a missionary. So we can channel money to him. Oh, I ran a couple fundraisers. We got him an apartment. We got him clothing. We got him food. We were taking care of him. Um, and it was just absolutely supernatural how we were connected to it. Um, at one point I told him I was working with the missionary over there, George Toey. Um, and I said, have we say make a couple of these guitars. We'll find a way to get them shipped to America and I'll try to sell them to rich people. And we'll just like for a thousand bucks a piece and we'll just channel the money back. We say made three guitars. Um, but unfortunately we say then got killed in an accident. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was blind. He was mostly blind. He could see a little out of the one eye here. Um, earlier, earlier part of his life, he was stung by bees into his eyes. Um, Ooh. Well, he was walking down the road and somebody, a reckless driver, just plowed into him. Um, we ended up uh, raising money for his funeral and everything else. But, and and like when that happened, I was just devastated. Uh, like soon after I went to Tattoo Parlor, I got Weese's guitar tattooed on my arm. And then a year later, Kirk from Texas called me and said, they're shipping over one of those guitars that Weese made. And, he, and we're giving it to you. So that's what you're holding right now. And it's, it's what a work of art, really. It is. You and have... we say, you know, um, dreams can be prophetic. Uh, God can come to us in dreams. God came to, we say, in, in a dream. He showed, we say, that guitar in a dream um, because he couldn't afford a regular guitar to make a living and made that, you know, saw that in a dream, built it the next day and was making up to $4 a day as a street musician. That's, that's crazy. And it's what, when you say DIY, this is as DIY as you could probably get. Yeah. There's, but the it's, genius. it's genius. If you look, okay, here, if you look, the neck goes through the body it halfway goes, yeah. and then there's a piece of wood that was cut from the neck that goes from the underside of the neck to the bottom and that is his bracing, but it works. And it, yeah. And it's, he uses nails for tuners. Yep. The tuners are rusty bent nails. Rusty bent nails. And he used brake cables? Yes. Brake cables. He would go to the motorcycle repair shops and ask him for old brake cables. And he would twist off three strands for the low string, two strands for the middle, and one for the high. The high one broke on its mm -hmm. way to America. And I put a guitar string on there, which... It just doesn't sound as good as the brake cables, and it hurts your fingers. Yeah, it's tuned to like a, a B flat or <laughs> a C chord somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. 
And like we said, we're not aiming for perfection. Nope. No. Uh, I, I really cool. It's really cool how he used nails to separate each string at the top. Yep. As well. Yep. I just noticed. Uh, it's so, so unique. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. And, and it was it's, just it's playable it, too. Yeah, it's absolutely Full play, play, fully playable. Yeah, Go for let it. Me get a pick here. It's like. Yeah, that's that's crazy that 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 can work. I think the other cool thing is when it came to me, the neck was real loose because the whole yeah, he macheted that. it, and so I took some aluminum foil, trying to think what would I use to hold it, and I shoved a bunch of aluminum foil in there. While I was talking to uh, Kirk Otto, the guy that sent it to me, and he said, "Oh yeah, the other one had it where we say used a whole bunch of uh, uh, aluminum foil." To- <laughs> <laughs> to hold the neck i'm like all right uh, yeah. great minds think alike <laughs> yeah that's awesome that's Ugh. that is insane that one can find those make that yeah and the fact that god connected us and yeah. then you know it's it's every i i see what they call the fingerprints of god in so many things mm. um that one was just there's no way there is it is at what point do the coincidences become improbable that right. something like this would happen and uh that's you know beyond a shadow of a doubt god is just laughing <laughs> like what's what i'm gonna do next yeah. <laughs> you want to meet him okay, okay let's have some fun <laughs> yeah that's uh it's It's crazy. It is. It is. It's, it's, um, so early part of this podcast, I was talking about how rough things are. These are the things that keep me going. These are the mm. things that energize me. These are my Red Bulls. Okay. My spiritual Red Bulls. And that's what we'll call them. And yeah. you need, you need, as a Christian, you need to look for those things in your life that you know God delivered and you need to party over them. Those are your Red Bulls. Those you need to celebrate um those those miracles that happen. You can't just say, "Oh, thank you God. I, I humbly thank you for giving me this." And then, and then go on. on. No. No, you party over this stuff. Have you read the Psalms? Oh, I know exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. And parties. but we forget to party. Yeah. We forget to celebrate. We and more than just humbly thank him. We need to tell everybody about this and not be ashamed to say, God hooked me up with him. It was awesome. The Holy Spirit showed me this, um, all this stuff. I'm not that good. I am not that good to do what all this stuff that has happened. It's um, it's incredible uh, for this podcast. People always say, oh, you do so good, such a good job. Such a good job. I didn't do any research for this. Yeah. I just... Yeah. <laughs> I just I, I, the only work that I've been doing has been emailing and, and calling people. Sure. It's literally it. Yep. Everything else, God. Yeah. Yeah. You can't take credit for it. Yeah. But you can sit and laugh. Sit and laugh out of amazement. And yeah, it's it's incredible. <laughs> uh this the stuff that I'm able to do because of of, of God, essentially, uh giving me these ideas, giving me uh the, the methods, giving me the courage and the strength to actually I'm an introvert. Yeah, no one will ever know. Uh huh. 
if you watch this podcast, you would not know unless I said I was, I was an introvert. Yep. I call these people out of the blue, cold calling people, which is like the, the number one nightmare Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, now I get to talk to awesome people like you. I'm. Uh, you. You said Muddy Waters. You know Daryl Davis then. Daryl Davis. No, Darryl I da- don't. No. No. Oh. Oh. He's a cat. You got to look up. He's a black musician. Over the course of his years, he has de-radicalized over like a hundred or so KKK members. Oh, nice. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and he's a boogie woogie musician. Nice. All through and through. So I, nice. I'm, I got, oh, I got to I got to check him out, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. I get to talk to people, insanely cool people. Uh, you you must know Rich Ruoff then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked to him. All of his incredible experiences, the Chameleon Club owner. Absolutely. People I would have never have been able to talk to, ever. I, because of him, I got to uh, oh, reach out Rich. and listen to Liberty DeVito. I I swear, Rich. Just loves connecting he, people. He is the best connector in, in he's got ever. me. He's given me gigs at the Chameleon back in the day. I mean, he's just, he's he's another magical person. I, I love him, man. Magical people. So you got to meet Liberty DeVito, too. Liberty DeVito, Kevin Aronson, uh, <laughs> all these insanely awesome people. I have, I'm one connection away from Elton John. Nice. <laughs> and nice. he is like, and, and, nice. and he is my biggest uh, influence. Uh, piano person. player. Yeah. Piano play, yeah. Is if I could meet anybody, any musician, it'd be on John. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. Okay, crazy God story. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> so here I am at LBC. Okay, I'm getting into blues music. And soon after, uh, Glenn Kaiser, who led the Christian rock band, the Res Band, the Resurrection Band, he basically invented Christian hard rock in the 70s, mm. was huge. Massive. In the 80s, they had to hire U2's tour manager to do their tour for one of the things. Well, in the 90s, he got into Delta Blues and did a couple cassettes or did a couple albums with Daryl Mansfield. It was Kaiser Mansfield, and they were doing Blind Willie Johnson and a bunch of old gospel blues stuff. I wore those cassettes out. I had to buy them a couple times. I I played them that much. Um, And that's it. I look back at my set lists from... 1996, 1997, half the set was, half, half the set list was stolen from him. Uh, songs I, I took from him. Well, God hooked us up together. Wow. Glenn got into making cigar box guitars. Um, he contacted me one time saying, hey, I, I like your guitars and everything. And at that time, I was at a low point in my life. Mm. And I'm like, oh, I can't believe Glenn Kaiser's contacting me. But I'm like, I need your prayers. And since then... We've done shows together. He's come to York. I've done concerts together with him. He's been like, okay, now I want you to go find a bar and I want to do a show with you there. And what I found was he spent the seventies and eighties bringing people to Christ. Now, a lot of those have fallen away and now he'll go to bars to bring them back again. And so people will go see him in a bar because they, you know, it's, Oh yeah. I remember this stuff. Um, I got his number on speed dial on my phone. I could call him at any point and you know, I'll get a text from him every once in a while. I'm working on this guitar made out of a pie pan, you know, and it, it, he's just one of those people. I mean, the guy, once they achieved success, they built, they bought a hotel in Chicago and turned it into a homeless shelter. Mm. And they have lived there in, as a commune since the seventies, taking care of the homeless, giving them jobs, getting them back on their feet. That's what he does. I mean, this guy is the real deal, and he's one of my best friends now. 
And here I was pouring over his cassettes. Right. So you're talking Elton John. God can make that happen. God, yeah, it, it's, I, I hope it does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking about celebrating and uh, talking about God and all that jazz, I we're going to have to round out our radio time. So I have a song prepared. Uh, it's called You Remain. It's a song I wrote two years ago when everything shut down. And when we mean everything, we mean everything. Uh, And it made me realize that only one thing truly remains, and that is God. So with all that said, this is You Remain by me. When I am weak, can no longer speak, you are there right beside me. Is lost and I can't bear the cost. You are there paying it for me. And when things turn to dust and there's nothing to trust, you are there honest to me. Oh, it's clear who you're meant to be.
And that was You Remain By Me. That was fantastic. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, the the amount of layers on there, uh, you're blowing me away. And I, I'm not, I this is 100% sincere. I mean, I'm hearing this thing build. And, you know, from you to go to the tempo change, to the Sgt. Pepper's uh, uh, staccato Tom's. beat, to the, yeah. the, the timpani blaster. That was just fantastic. Uh, hold on. Where can people hear this? Uh, people can find that. I believe it's on Spotify and Apple Music and all that jazz. Uh, you Unfortunately, you won't be able to hear it on uh, Facebook because they they mute copyrighted music at yes. all. Yes, yes. So you, all that stuff you just uh, that we just heard, other people won't hear is it. Is it under Corey Rosen? It is under Corey Rosen. Um, Corey Rosen Productions, I think it might be. Uh, I have Facebook. You can go to uh, Facebook page there, Corey Rosen Productions. You can find all that stuff and more of my music there, all, more of my original compositions there. Uh, but yeah, if you want to want to hear that, I'm pretty sure it's on Spotify. Okay. I, I you got a new fan. That. You got a new fan. Serious. That was compositionally off the hook. I mean, everything about it. Great job. Thank you very much, man. Well, where can people find you? They can find you everywhere. But what are some upcoming gigs that you have? Okay, uh, next week I am performing at the Susquehanna Folk Festival on Friday, August 12th. I am doing a solo set. Um, The Susquehanna Folk Festival is at the York Fairgrounds this year. Um, And I think it's the it's S F. Or I, I don't know. Just, just look up Susquehanna Folk Music Society and you'll get the information. So I'm performing there on Friday. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm doing a 45-minute set on all my different instruments. Uh, and then they asked me to come back on Sunday. And it was the at the invitation of the Library of Congress. And the Library of Congress asked me to go through their archives and find a song and reinterpret it. I will perform it. I will be interviewed first. And then I will perform it. And uh, so... I was going through the archives and I found uh, a song called the Avonmore mining disaster. And Mm -hmm. it was from the 1869 disaster in Avonmore, Pennsylvania. And this was a massive coal mine fire disaster killed, you know, hundred over a hundred people. And here I later learned after I chose it, it was also the one thing that spurred so many labor unions and things after that. Um, so, but I loved the, first of all, I loved it was local. I loved it. Uh, as I was reading the lyrics, it was like, Ooh, I can groove these lyrics. Cause the the original song was very ballady and, and you know, a very 1800s ballad. Well, I turned it into this RL Burnside blues grind. And, uh, and then I decided I'm going to play it. I was thinking being, it's a coal mine song. I would play it on this, the shovel guitar. Uh, that was made by my friend Richard Newland. That's the shovel caster guitar. But I then went on TikTok and Instagram yesterday, and I said, should I play this song on a shovel guitar? And then I cut away to my wood shop, and I was out there, and I have an old pickaxe. I said, or should I make a guitar out of the pickaxe? And uh, what's and more it's... appropriate for a coal mine? Hundreds and hundreds of votes came in. Everybody wants the pickaxe. So this week on my social media, which if you go TikTok or Instagram, it's at Cigar Box Guitar. Mm-hmm. Facebook even, facebook.com slash Cigar Box Guitar. Um, I'm going to be showing, I'm going to be in my shop this week building 
the pickaxe guitar that I'm going to use next week at the Susquehanna Folk Music Society to um, or Susquehanna Folk Music Festival. And I'm going to do that Mining Disaster of Avamore uh, song on. That's incredible i can't i can't <laughs> wait to see that oh my band was practicing it last night i need to talk to them they wanted me to do it solo but if i can pull it off i'm gonna bring the full band with me because when in their lives are they gonna do something for the library of congress, congress. so anytime i get like a big blessing like that it's like let me bring my friends in how can i help my friends too and so right. i'm gonna be talking to them hopefully today and just asking them can i bring them on we'll keep the you know, the number of connections for the PA system, we'll keep it at a minimum, but we all want to do this together. And it's not only that, but it's Americana as, yes. as all give out. Yes. Right. That That's your wash tub base. Yep. You got your, uh, what do you have for drums? Uh, right now we have a cajon, although I have a new drum set that I built that is not being used yet. We're still mm. tweaking it. It is an actual junk drum set made of old soda crates and hidden inside go. are drum triggers. So it feeds into a computer and it sounds like the craziest drum set you've ever had. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Electronic junk, junk yep. set. Exactly. <laughs> and then we have a harmonica player, too. Yeah, uh, so that's as Americana as you can get. And the, really. thing, the thing is, my family came from the coal mines. Mm. Both sides of my family came from the coal mines. And so for me to be able to do a coal mining song is a no-brainer. And for those who don't know what the Library of Congress is, it is the... Like, it is the <laughs> spot. Imagine if the Library of Alexandria was in the USA. Yeah. But uh, dedicated to American history, yeah. U- U.S. history. It is, that is like the biggest record deal you could ever get. And I mean, I'm going through the archives and it's like, they gave me some examples to go with. Do you want to use Muddy Waters' original plantation recordings? Do you want to use uh, Mississippi John Hurt's archival recordings? How about the ones we just discovered of Sun House? And all these things... And I'm like, oh man! So give him all. <laughs> what I did was I started with, uh, I started with an instrument with the shovel, mm-hmm. and I started looking for. Actually, I started looking for stuff like Gravedigger Blues or something like that. And then a shovel song or a, a coal mining song came up, and I'm like, coal. And then I discovered the Avamore song, and then as I was going on, it's like, why well, have this pickaxe? So I put it to the fans, and it just added to the hype. And and quite honestly, that wasn't me. That was God throwing ideas into my head again because it was too perfect. Right. It, it was, was just too absolutely perfect. too perfect. Well, if you want to check that out, check out his uh, TikTok at Cigar Box Guitar. That's his website, uh, YouTube, Facebook, all that jazz as well. And you also have your original music out on Spotify as well. Oh, yeah. Shane Spiel. Go look at that. And he has some incredible music. Unfortunately, I don't have any of that today, but we'll get to that in a future episode cool. for sure because it is it's cool stuff. Uh, with all that said, if you're on the radio, we're going to continue live here on Facebook. But if you uh, if you want to follow us, support what I do, fo- look up The Story, Corey Rosen, on all platforms. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you do your podcast. You can find us there. You can also go to Instagram at the underscore story underscore podcast or Facebook.com forward slash The Story, Corey Rosen. And you can find all of our upcoming guests and events there. With all that said, we're going to get you guys back to the radio, and we'll see you guys later.